Welcome to the Weight Loss and Women Professionals podcast. I'm your host, certified life and weight loss coach and physician, Dr. Amruti Chowdhury, MBBS. I lost over 92 pounds using the mind management tools I teach. In this podcast, you will learn how to lose weight for the last time by taking control of your mind. Once you deal with the mental weight, the physical weight will be much easier to release. If you're ready for a fresh new perspective on weight loss, you're in the right place. Hello, lovely ladies. How are you? I am so happy to be bringing you this podcast today because it is about a topic that is so common in women. And I think you will really benefit from this podcast with the amazing guest that I have for you today. Before I introduce my guest, have you booked in your consult for the group coaching program? We are starting the live event on the 30th of April for the May group coaching program. And I am doing free consults for two weeks from the day this podcast airs. So you can book in your free consult up until the 28th of April. And I would love to chat with you and really help you get to understand what the main things are that are holding you back in your weight loss journey and how we can actually solve them for good so that you can gain freedom and peace around food forever. And so if this is something that you would like to achieve, then go to www.amruticoaching.com forward slash group. You can click the link in the bio to sign up. And I'm doing free consults all the way up until the 28th of April. And you can also sign up directly. So if you're already sure that you wanted to sign up for the group coaching program, or if you were thinking, hey, I have already had a consult with Amruti before and I'm ready to sign up, then you can also sign up directly. But if you're thinking, you know what, I would really like to talk to Amruti to just make sure that this is the right program for me, then you are welcome to book a consult and I would love to connect with you. I would love to see if we are a good fit for working with each other. And we can do that by having a consult where we really dive into what you're currently struggling with, what you'd like to achieve, how coaching specifically will be able to help you. And then by the end of the call, we decide if we're a good fit for working with each other. So uh, as a life coach, one of the main things that I help my clients do is to make powerful decisions. And so this is a call where we will decide whether this is something that benefits the both of us or not. Okay, so if you feel that this seems like something that you would like to book, then go to www.amruticoaching.com forward slash group to book a free consult or to sign up directly. We have until the 28th of April to do that. And I love speaking to all of you and I really look forward to connecting with you. Okay, with that, Let's get into today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. 
This week, I have one of my dear friends and fellow life coaches, Dr. Arpita Gupta de Palma. And Dr. Gupta de Palma is a certified life coach and runs ThoughtWork MD. So I'm so happy to have you here, Arpita. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's so good to talk to you. I just, I miss seeing you. So just knowing we're connecting over the ocean is so great. (laughs) So So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So I am a retired pediatrician. I'm also um, kind of a, I'm founded, co-founded my husband's medical practice um, and managed that, but really my career has shifted towards working with women professionals and women physicians over the past two years um, with mindset coaching. And it just, it didn't, it was not anything I would have imagined um, five years ago, if you had said that I'm doing this, or I'm speaking to women and helping them with it, with issues with regards to how they're thinking about things. And I would have been like, yeah, whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. So it's just kind of funny how things evolve over time and, um, things happen very unexpectedly at times and it's all meant for a purpose. So, so yeah. It's um, so fun. Uh, so tell me, how did you become a life coach when um, you were a pediatrician? So I actually back in 2000, I practiced and we moved to Richmond, Virginia back in 2004. And I, I was a part-time pediatrician for about eight to 10 years. And then my practice asked me to go full-time. And at that time, my husband, we were just opening his practice and our kids were little, probably like five and seven, same thing. And so we just decided that uh, I wasn't going to do that. I decided that, that it was too much for me to take that on full-time. And so I stepped down from that position because the ultimatum was full-time. And I um, just, I'm going to find something else part-time, but while I'm doing that, I'll kind of keep myself busy with the office. And that morphed very quickly to me being so engrossed and enmeshed with the day-to-day operations of the medical practice. And a lot of that stemmed from that perfectionism that I had as a physician, because now I'm creating and building a new entity for my husband and his practice. And of course, that reputation had to be excellent, right? And so everything had to be spot on. And so what happened was me starting with a part-time pediatric position that was maybe 16, 20 hours a week to me morphing into this administrative role in his practice, uh, almost 80 hours a week. And, you know, the, the ability to even consider working again, part-time pediatrics was not on the table because I felt like I was so needed in his practice that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, that started to build a lot of resentment and anger, you know, over time, you know, I was never asked or expected to work as an administrator in his office. I just chose to do that. And I realized I was doing that to kind of make myself feel worthy, valuable, important. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, my brain was telling me he's not letting you practice or your husband, because of this, you can't practice peds. And so that kind of began that anger spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward 10 years later, um, I'm still in this role. And COVID is about to hit. COVID hits, right? So first, we're already burnt out because we've been working nonstop, hardcore this entire time. And then COVID hits the practice. And we shut the office down for eight weeks because elective procedures were stopped in Virginia. And um, when we reopened eight weeks later, we slowly started to ramp back up and and get everything on on par. And then within, I would say, about three months, we lost almost 100% of our staff over time, like over those next three months. And that's when I really kind of hit a wall and was super angry thinking, you know, we supported all these people. We really wanted to make sure everybody had um, themselves taken care of. We were dipping into our savings to pay for them. We weren't taking a paycheck for ourselves. 
And so I called um, my friend, Melissa, and explained to her, Melissa Parsons, she's a pediatric, my pediatric residency buddy, also a coach at that time, and um, kind of just complained. And she helped coach me a little bit about it. And then I realized, wow, I'm really in control of what I'm creating by how I'm thinking. Um, and so that's what started my journey on coaching. I really binged a lot of podcasts just to learn about it, learn about the concepts of mindset coaching. And then I decided again, to be certified, but really for my own sake, there was no intent to start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within a couple of weeks of me signing up for certification, I was like, you know what, I want to offer this to other people. So, so that's kind of what led to the whole yeah. process of getting me here to where I am with offering this to other women. But, um, a lot of that initial strife was that anger. You know, I was showing up so angry with my kids at home. Like I would be totally, well, for the most part, totally professional. If I look back now, I sometimes would probably have behaved in a way that I didn't find respectful to myself. Um, but I would come home angry and irritated and resentful and that would, they would be the ones experiencing that. Yeah. And so I realized quickly that I only had a year and a half left with my daughter at home at that time mm-hmm. before she left for college. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't want to not have a relationship with her after she left. And so that's what was really my main incentive for how do I change my behaviors at home? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not so reactionary all the time. Yeah, I love that so much because there was something that happened, like COVID happened, and you noticed that this wasn't the way that you wanted to show up and you did something about it. And not only did you do something about it, you decided to train as a coach and help others do something about it. That is so inspirational. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know. You, you basically deal with anger, didn't you? So you are an anger specialist. Um, So tell me how your anger morphed whilst you were doing this um, coaching work. So what I realized is that anger had become my outlet. You know, it had become my pathway of release of emotions that were building up because I wanted to feel better. And so what in the moment, in the heat of the moment, feeling that anger or or expressing the anger helped me feel powerful, helped me feel like I was still in control. And what I wasn't recognizing was I really wasn't right. And I was the behaviors that I was portraying through that anger really was lessening my, you know, ability to explain things, troubleshoot, um, build relationships or connections. It was not really helping me. Um, but it was just almost essentially a dopamine hit uh, of that response that it makes me feel good. And it's giving me this false sense of being in control. Mm -hmm. So, immediately I, st- I I mean, I had recognized, I mean, I remember way back when, even before I started doing this work that I would constantly be thinking, why do I keep showing up that way? I regret it after the fact. Mm-hmm. I feel like crap after the fact mm-hmm. it's not helping our relationship. I know the result of this, but I can't help but keep doing it, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's what I had to start really recognizing. Why was I doing it? And first first awareness was, oh yeah, this is helping me feel like I have some sort of control. If I get louder or angrier, maybe then they'll listen, Mm -hmm. you know? So the different thoughts that I was having about it was what was causing me to show up that way. Mm -hmm. So when I took a step back and started really looking at it and realizing that I wasn't having the result, the end result I wanted, I started to change. How do I want to show up instead? You know, how do I want to build awareness about what sets me off in the first place? Mm -hmm. And then how do I create a plan for how I want to show up when, when those activators are present? So, yeah. 
I mean, I can really resonate with that because um, I know that me personally, despite being a coach, despite, um, you know, uh, knowing all the tools and despite using them to actually help with not shouting at my kids and things, but sometimes, well, a lot of the time I still do because that anger does like bubble up and, you know, I try and be calm, 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 like for the first 10 times. And then it's like, ah, and then scream at the kids, right? (laughs) And and I realized that it's probably um, a response from childhood. And I think that um, a lot in the in our culture, it's there's there's a lot of um, anger being a bad thing. You shouldn't be angry. But also on the other side of things, a little bit about when someone is angry at you, that means you've done something wrong. So someone shouldn't be angry at you. And so I remember um, when like my parents were angry at me, it was like I would feel so much like shame and like be like, oh, I've done something wrong. Let me try and correct that. So what is your take on the cultural element of anger? I think it goes two ways um, because, it, it, like you said initially, that when we have anger, we feel like we shouldn't have it. You know that it's not okay or correct to have it or to express it, mm-hmm. and that kind of sets us in a trap as well. Because when we don't express our emotions, they just build up, and then essentially they do come out eventually. We we know that. So, but what has happened here is that when we are trying to withhold that anger or show up in a way that's you know, we're turning inward or just withdrawing from interaction so that we don't show up that way, that doesn't allow us to express those feelings. And so sometimes we can feel angry, but not necessarily show up angry, express the anger, right? So recognizing that it's okay. And that also applies to the second half of it. Like you said, like, you know, when somebody shows up angry at me, that means I've done something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Each person has their own thoughts in their brain of what's causing them, their thoughts or what's causing them to be angry. And so they get to decide if they're angry and then they get to decide how they want to show up when they're angry. Mm -hmm. And it really has nothing to do with you, right? Mm -hmm. So you get to decide then they're showing up angry. How do I want to think about that? Mm -hmm. Uh, But culturally going back to that, I would say, you know, it depends. I think some families, it's hard to say, I want to say it's, I feel like saying it's cultural, but I, I also feel like there's so much evidence against both. It's really yeah. individualized, you know, that one family might say, we don't show our anger, we kind of involute. And then what happens is that builds the resentment because you're not processing those feelings. And that causes more disconnect with your relationships with those people. And that leads essentially to family strife as well as well, because you're not having that feeling of sense of connection with that, those people. Mm-hmm. So allowing yourself to recognize that you're angry and just sitting and being present in it, noticing where it's showing up for you in your body, mm-hmm. how does it feel and allowing it to be there is what allows us to kind of work through it. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of get through those emotions, those heated emotions in a sense, and then think more effectively with how we want to respond next. Yeah. You know, and then on the other hand, the people that like kind of blow up with it, it's the same thing, right? You know, instead of it's because we don't want to feel those Mm -hmm. emotions. And so the response, the reaction is more like our go-to for it. And most of the time when we have anger and it's reactionary like that, it's because we have an underlying emotion that we're trying not to feel, right? Mm -hmm. Anger is a lot of times the secondary emotion. There's something underneath that that's more painful for us that we're avoiding feeling. Mm -hmm. And because we want to avoid feeling it, we show up with anger because we know how that's going to end up at the end, Mm -hmm. right? Even if it's not not good, 
it's familiar, it's comfortable. So we want to do that instead. Yeah. So two things. The first thing is, um, it's really interesting that you said that anger is often um, a react, like we often react to our anger and it can show up in two different ways, mostly two different ways. So either kind of like, you know, um, going inwards and just like uh, not talking about it and disconnecting um, or um, like, you know, uh, shouting and screaming and actually letting it out. But they're both reactions. They're both kind of like um, just different forms of a reaction. Um, And when when we are reacting to it we're not feeling it we're not allowing it in our body and so then it makes it much worse because it's not actually being dealt with um and then it kind of just is still simmering in this in the um in the surface right um yeah. so that was the first thing that was like really interesting but the second thing was that you said that um anger is normally um like how it shows up but there's normally an underlying emotion tell us a bit about that like what kind of underlying emotions normally show up Oh, it can vary for everybody. It's so widespread. Um, I'll t- I can tell you a little bit about mine, yeah. what, it, what they were, because it, it, a lot of times you don't even recognize um, when you're in, in it. But the number one thing for me that would cause my anger would be the sense of urgency or time scarcity, right? So we don't think that that would be something that causes anger. But when we're like, hurry up, kids, hurry up, put your shoes on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then you're starting to yell at them because they're not doing it and you're trying to get out the door. It's that sense of urgency that we have to be somewhere. And these people are preventing me from doing that. Mm. Right. So for me, it was a sense of urgency. And it actually went back to that residency checklist, check in and check out list, right. Between Mm. when we, when we change shifts that all these things need to get done, I have to hurry up and get them done on my shift. And then I have to also rely on the next person to be able to take over, Mm. um, do it as well. And so that urgency that I kind of sensed from that. I feel like that's where I initially started having that. Mm. Um, Another area for me personally was that low self-worth, right? And so some of your clients, if they're dealing with the weight loss is feeling that ache or the pain of feeling low self-worth. It's hard and we don't want to do that. So rather than doing that, we show up angry. So for me, it was working all hours of night, right? Extending the amount of time I was working because I was trying to prove how worthy I was, how valuable I was. And that was exhausting me on top of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I already had these underlying feelings of I'm not really contributing. I'm not really helpful here in the family or in the household. Mm-hmm. And that just makes your, your, your not wanting to deal with that emotion. So you show up more angry instead. Yeah. Um, but really it can be anything, shame, disappointment, yes. right? Like, so if your, your child doesn't win the award or doesn't get certain commendations at school, you might be angry because you don't mm. want to feel the disappointment of that. Right? Or if your child does something wrong, or if you, for, for your clients, if they're not eating or they're not able to stay on their food plan or their diet plan that you've put in place, that shame around that yes. rather than feeling the shame they show up irritable or frustrated or angry Mm. with other people. They have a very short fuse. Yeah, that definitely shows up with my clients. And often it's to their family members. And so um, often like it may be to their partners and then, you know, they get something called hangry. So when they're actually hungry, they associate like being angry then because they don't like that sensation in their body. So then they're thinking I shouldn't be feeling hungry, which makes them feel angry. And then they associate them together. So that often comes up where they feel 
feel hungry. Another thing, another reason um, that it comes up often is when they are not achieving the goals that they have expected themselves to achieve. So say mm-hmm. that they wanted to lose a certain amount of weight and then they didn't, um, they may feel angry at themselves and then actually like, you know, put a lot of pressure on themselves and restrict even more because they should be achieving them. But actually mm-hmm. the underlying emotion often is shame or disappointment um, ah. or kind of like feeling um, unworthy, as you said, they're often the, the main underlying root causes. So it's so fun to actually go in and actually deal with that root cause and be right. like, hey, it may show up as anger, but actually let's really find out what's going on for you here. Because as you said, it's different for different people and sure. whatever they're thinking will lead to their emotion and lead to how they act, right? So like actually getting to that root cause is, is uh, I say it's fun, but it's like, it can sometimes be quite intense, but also yeah. so like worthwhile, right? Completely. Because if you don't start working on that first, the secondary emotion is going to keep happening, right? Yes. I would, I would be curious to know also with your clients, if a lot of it comes around blame, like, mm. oh, they, they don't, they know I'm trying to lose weight. Why are they offering me this food or it's Christmas time? I I'm not, they, they shouldn't be inviting me or bringing, having such a big spread of, of yes. food, you know, so that blame, it's so much easier to project on other people and be angry at other people than to feel, you know, the, maybe those feelings of deprivation or whatever, mm. when you're going to these events or have the options in front of you that you're really trying to avoid, um, yes. or That shows up so often. And then also it's much easier to blame someone else than take responsibility because it's kind of easier to portray it onto someone else than to actually be like, hey, let me really look at what's going on for me inside here rather than like uh, blame it on my husband for bringing the the cake or whatever. Right. (laughs) I know I was one of those people when my husband bought something, he would be doing it with so much love. He'll be like, oh, I bought this for you. And I'd be like, why did you bring me the cupcake? I'm on a diet again. And he'd be looking at me like, are you like, are you okay? Like I'm doing it out of love and you're like screaming at me. I'm like, you know, that is just how it was. But now it's so funny because when he brings it I can see the love because I'm like choosing to see that so sometimes what I tell my clients is um okay where do you think your partner was coming from do you think they wanted to jeopardize your weight loss attempts do you think that they wanted you to you know go off your diet plan and scream at them and everything and the answer is often no they were doing it Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tricky how our brain works, right? It's trying to keep us in this situation that we are correct and we are believing what we want to keep us safe, what's familiar for us. And so that that's where you have to kind of really be aware of what you're thinking and what's going on in your head. And that's where we catch it. That's where you kind of can start to make that change for how you want to show up. So Okay, so I think, tell me how can we start like normalizing um, anger? Because I think that's a really big step, isn't it? In um, uh, like making a change. So tell me what you what you think about that. I think the first thing um, to, to give yourself grace and love and know that everybody gets angry and it's a normal emotion that is present in, in all human beings. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not, it doesn't mean that something is wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you can't control yourself. It's just, mm-hmm. we might have now developed an automatic pathway to respond that way. And there are ways that you can start to become aware of that and then shift to, to create a new response pathway mm-hmm. that you're going to practice and it's going to get stronger. And you're going to be able to shift to that being your, your default and your go-to mm-hmm. 
rather than the reaction. So that's kind of like the first thing to recognize that there's nothing wrong with you. I mean, I w- I'm a pediatrician, right? And so a lot of shame that I cannot believe I'm showing up this way with my kids. I'm supposed to be a role model for not only my kids, but other parents. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard for me to overcome initially to say, hey, I, I need to, I should be better than this, right? Mm-hmm. But then recognizing everybody has this option that like people show up this way and this is normal um, because what we feed is going to grow. So are we going to shift feeding it a different way? So we have a different pathway that we want to respond to. Mm. The first thing I tell people is just really to become aware of what are their triggers, what sets them off, what are their activators Mm -hmm. Um, and then be mindful of that. So you can start planning ahead. So one of the things for me is when, with my daughter back then, when I was reacting so much is that she wouldn't even have to say anything. She could just look at me and her eyebrow would go up. And immediately my thought was, I realized now what I was thinking is that she's not listening to me or she's not, she doesn't care. So that immediately set me down this path of anger and she might not have done anything other than being curious. Right. But it was something about that eyebrow going up. So being aware of what activates you is super important Mm -hmm. and making a plan for how you're going to respond then when you're in that situation is next. And so Mm -hmm. what I did also with my husband is told him, this is what I've noticed sets me off with her. So when you notice that this is happening and I'm not following my new plan, maybe just have a check-in with me. Can you say, Hey, do we, do you want to take a minute for something or just help me distract myself? Help me get onto my protocol in the beginning too. That was very helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. So having somebody on your team there, but, um, but yeah, so then I basically now recognize that when she does that, I need to take a minute, right? I take a deep breath. I remind myself there's no urgency to respond to whatever's happening right now. I'm the one that's creating that urgency. Mm -hmm. And I I make an excuse to leave. Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Or let me go check one thing. I'll be right back. And I'm actually just excusing myself from that situation. So I can take a minute to take some breaths and calm my nervous system down. Right. So I remove myself. I take some more deep breaths, taking a minute to calm that system down. And then I verbalize what I'm feeling. And in the beginning, what we verbalize is I'm angry. I'm resentful. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. Right. And that's because in the beginning, that's the only emotion that we feel that we're having later we've done this for for a while, you start to recognize those underlying emotions, right? Yeah. Beginning, you just want to verbalize it. You want to acknowledge it so that you Mm. can hear. Yes, I see that this is what's going on. And that's okay. I love that. I love that you said that because I find for me, um, I often feel angry with my kids as well. And I often feel that shame as well. Like, oh my gosh, I'm meant to be a life coach. I'm meant to be, you know, an example of what's possible for my people. I'm always talking about feeling my emotions, but actually I'm reacting to my emotions with my children. And uh, the first thing that I often do is like normalize it. That Of course, it's hard with two active young boys who are saying no to everything you're saying. Like, it's okay that you're finding this tough like it's normal to find things tough and also to kind of just be like sometimes I even say to them I'm just feeling my emotions right now so they're like mommy what are you doing and I often just say to them I'm just taking some deep breaths I'm just calming myself down they're like why because I'm feeling angry right now oh mommy are you angry at me I'm like no I'm feeling angry myself because of the thoughts I'm thinking oh did we make you angry and I'm like no mommy Uh, mommy's angry because of what she's thinking but then so now they've started to pick up on that as well that and so when I when I sometimes in error say you've made me so angry they'll be like no mommy your anger comes from your thinking and I'm like that's not helping the situation. I'm making, I'm getting even more angry now, <laughs> but it's so fun that they're starting to pick up on that. 
And so then it kind of reminds me that, yeah, they're right. It's because of my own thinking. So yeah, just calming down my nervous system, go taking some breaths. Um, and um, often just like, um, I often even just like, just close my eyes and just like notice what does it feel like in my body? Can I just be with it? Um, and the more I'm like wanting it to push it away, like resist it, the more like it blows up. But when I could just be like, hey, this is normal that I'm feeling angry. So I actually talk to myself sometimes and yeah. put my hand on my chest and say, it's normal to feel angry. It's completely okay. You've not done anything wrong. This is just a very normal human emotion. And then it kind of helps my nervous system to get on board and be like, oh, okay, this is normal. Nothing's gone wrong. This isn't dangerous for me. Um, right. And I can, I can process this. So. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's that was a great point that you brought up, right? So most of the time when we feel emotions, it's going to be also in our body. And we a lot of physicians, especially have kind of ignored our body's cues, and our signals. So sometimes that's building that awareness first, because that might be the first place it shows up for you is where is it in my body? Okay, my tense shoulders are tense. Why is my, why are they tense? Something is coming up for me. Let me let me just cue into that a clue into that and, and focus on that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, when, when I remove myself, putting your hand on where that tension is or where the sensation is in your body and breathing into that slowly for four breaths or for four seconds in, and I hold it for two seconds and then exhale for four seconds. That really is sending the signals to the brain that we're safe. It's okay. There's no danger. Like you said, exactly. And so then, you know, once you've kind of process that you've labeled the emotion, you've, you've kind of given yourself minutes to calm down. You get to decide, do I want to go back and handle this situation right now? Or do I want to go and say, you know what, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to show up still the way I want to. I'm still a little bit tense with this. So I'm just going to say, I can't handle this right now, or this is not a good time. Let's schedule a different time to come back to this and we'll revisit it again. So those are kind of tips to help you either diffuse it immediately. So you don't have to deal with it right then. Or if you feel like you're um, calmed down enough and you're able to address it in a way that's effective, then you can go back. Mm -hmm. But that key is that urgency too. We create that for ourselves. You know, when our kids say something to us or when somebody is saying something to us and we're taking it as an attack on us, Mm -hmm. our reaction is to respond right away to protect ourselves and recognize that we don't have to do that. We're not fighting those crazy caveman day tigers and bears and and stuff. We're just here in life and the dangers that we have in life really are not like they were, although our brain is still programmed to react that way. Yes. I know um, once I was getting coached by Bev Aaron, one of our um, mutual coaches, she's amazing. And she was coaching me on my parenting. um, And um, she um, gave, she sent me this book, um, which I'm reading at the moment, Raise Your Kids Without Raising Your Voice. So I'm in the process of reading that right now. And they talk about how um, in terms of the parenting, um, try and give them direction two out of the 10 times. So eight out of the 10 times, you just talk to them. And I was like, wait, what? Because normally I'm like directing them. Come on, why haven't you done that yet? Why haven't you done that yet? And that's the thing that's creating my anger because I'm I'm assuming that they're not listening to me and then they're disrespecting me. And I'm that's all the stories that I'm creating in my head. So I'm really trying at the moment to feel that urge to like tell them what to do, right? (laughs) I'm trying to make it a game and things like that. It's really like like 
intensive for my brain because I'm like deprogramming the old neural pathways and reprogramming a different way of like doing it. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's such good work because every single time that I'm like directing them, I'm like, hold on, is it the two out of 10 rule? Like, have I, um, what am I doing? And then, then you become so much more aware of it and you'd be like, oh, right. Okay. It's me that's causing it. Not in a blame kind of way, but in a way that I, if I'm causing it, I can deal with it as well. I can change this. And that is so empowering to know, right? Totally, totally. hundred percent. One of the other things I, I remember Bev saying somewhere was respond to the content and not the tone. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that is really, that was so helpful with me with the kids, especially when they're teenagers, like when they're little, um, I, I feel like now, maybe it's cause I'm not in it as much now that you recognize that that's what they do. They have tantrums, two, three-year-old, four-year-olds, even they do those obnoxious behaviors. But what I found myself struggling with is as a teenagers, I was expecting them to behave as adults. And so their responses and their reactions with their tone was what was getting me. And so the eyebrow was part of the tone. So responding to their, what, just what they're saying. If somebody else was saying this to you, not your child and just reading the words, how would you respond to it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that's been helpful. And the other, and the other little piece that's always been helpful with, with children in particular is, I mean, we don't want to have this external validation from other people, but just recognizing that everybody is going through the same thing. It's not just your kid acting that way. They all act that way. Mm. The the fact that they're challenging you and the fact that they are making it difficult means that they have their own being, their own yes. self, and they're starting to grow and explore that. And you want that, right? You don't want a um, subservient kind of child who just listens and does everything you say all the time. You mm-hmm. want them to kind of challenge you because that's going to be their incentive to do that as they get older as well. Oh my goodness. I love that you said that because Vivan, my oldest, he's so good. Like outside of our house, like everyone would be like, he's an angel child. He listens. I get like glowing reports from school. And as soon as he comes home, it's kind of like, this new person like because obviously everyone has a 50 50 existence 50 percent positive emotion 50 percent negative emotion so as soon as he comes through the walls it's very much like no mommy and like all of this emotion comes out and there's like loads of like you know like talking back and things like that and I used to get really annoyed at that but now I'm learning to to realize that I feel so honored that he can actually let that out to me and if he can let that vulnerable side out to me just imagine how close we must be. Exactly. He doesn't even show it to anyone else in the whole world. So if he can do that to me, I feel so honored. And I often even say that to him. Oh, Vivan, let it out. It's okay. I know that you're letting it out because you can do yeah. it in front of me. This is amazing. Don't worry. Let it out. And then yeah. he just like, I don't know, it diffuses really quickly because he's like, mom gets me. Oh, okay. She accepts me even when I have these negative emotions. It doesn't mean I'm unlovable. It doesn't mean I'm not accepted. Uh, she and I often even say, even when you when you talk back to me, I love you. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I love you. But I don't often like what you're saying to me. But I still love you. And then he's like, oh wow. So it's kind of fun to kind of like wow. you know plant these little seeds into them because like to know that they're growing up with this kind of information that we never had. It's so fun. Exactly. That that's I think one of the key points. And you know everything happens to us the way it's supposed to to make us who we are. But I also do believe that these tools that we have, this gift that we're able to give our kids now is going to help prepare them for the world and life as they get older, because we have shifted away from that connection and the interactions with people. And so being able to regroup and recognize that we need to 
kind of shift back to that. I think this work is definitely helping us do that with our kids. So it's, yeah, it's amazing. And the prop so for you, like, yeah, for creating that safe space for him, right? This is a safe space for him, for him to be able to have that outlet. And that going back, circling back, that's exactly what my incentive was for with my daughter, <clears throat> because with her going to college, I was afra- afraid that that relationship was going to slowly dwindle if we were leaving it that way. Mm-hmm. We have an amazing relationship now, right? And that's been awesome to see her, you know, being able to coach her. She had a little bit of anxiety with public speaking. So coaching her on how to manage her thoughts with that um, and how that's impacted the way she's able to show up now. It's, it's huge. And so now, you know, when I get the text, I need to talk to you about so-and-so, you know, I never got that in high school. I never, she never really was one to say, Hey, can we talk about this? So now I know I've created that safe space for her. And that's, that was the ultimately the only goal I had. So yeah, I mean, that is so amazing that our children feel safe to talk yeah. about the most vulnerable parts of themselves and, and to share that. Like, how awesome is that? Even yeah. if we don't coach, like I often say, if I don't coach anyone else in the world, just being able to do that for the kids is like worth like totally so worth much, it. like, right? It's so cool. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. Do you have any any other tools to um, help with anger that we haven't covered yet? Yeah, I would say just a couple little nuggets that I like to talk about is um, the pain bodies. A pain body is when we're kind of in this low-lying funk. And Eckhart Tolle is the one that kind of talked about this. And um, this was like such an eye-opener for me because I realized that I was doing this with my husband. Like whenever he was in a funk or I could tell he was not in a great mood, I would sit there and poke at him. Come on, let's talk about it. What's going on? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And I was making it that I needed to know, not recognizing that's actually making it worse. And so just having that awareness that when you're in a pain body or somebody that you love is in a pain body, any communication or kind of probing at that time really is not going to be efficacious. And so having the ability to be aware of that and then step back and let them have their space or let yourself have that space is huge because once you've processed through it, then you can go back and be much more communicative. So um, that's been very helpful. Um, The other nugget with my spouse specifically was having a conversation with them when we were not angry how I was going to start changing my response when we were. And so this was also with intention because I didn't want my new behaviors to be misconstrued as being passive aggressive. And so um, I just sent him, you know, I'm doing this work on this anger, you know, that I've been doing coaching. And so I am going to show up differently sometimes. And what I noticed with him is when he was angry about things, not even related to me or anything, I would become angry. And those are those mirror neurons firing, you know, like we take on the energy of the people around us. And I realized I really didn't like that. I was already dealing with enough anger as it was. It's all on my own. I didn't want to take on his. Yeah. And so what I did is I just said to him, when you're angry in this conversation, when we were not in a tense space, when you're angry, I might just leave. I might just excuse myself. And that's not an attack on you. That's not me being passive aggressive. But what I've realized is when you're angry, I become angry. And then we just feed off each other and it doesn't do anything productive. Mm-hmm. And that really was huge. I mean, I, it sounds so simple, like common sense. But we never express that to each other, you know? And so once we started doing that, that really brought a lot of peace because what we would come home from work, he'd come home from the office tense, or I'd be coming home from the office tense. We'd both be tense about different things, or maybe one was tense and the other wasn't. And we automatically both would become aggravated. And so we wanted to really bring more peace to home. And that's one of the ways we did it. We've also made, put boundaries in place for what we are going to do. 
and what we're not. So once we get home, he's great about this now. Like we're not talking about work once we get home, period. It's it's done. The office is the office and we'll talk about it there. And so that th- those are all little tidbits and tips that have really helped um, kind of change the anger that's been with the relationship at home with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just one other thing about like, just to add to that, I find that with my husband, when I was trying to be superwoman, trying to do X, Y, and Z and do the business and do the kid stuff and like, you know, be able to manage everything. Like I'd been conditioned to be like, that is normal. That's what you have to do. And when I was actually able to be vulnerable and say, I'm struggling with this. This is something that I need some help with. How can we actually problem solve this together? that actually made us much closer. So even though initially my anger was um, turning into resentment, thinking he should be doing more or um, he should be helping out or anything like that, I realized that when I wasn't feeling angry, as you were saying, when I talked to him about it and like problem solved, it was actually, it was hard for me to actually be vulnerable and say, I'm struggling here, let's like work something out. But that changed everything because then we were able to figure out a way to deal with it when we weren't both angry and screaming at each other. So it was really, really fun. So yeah, I think I think those tools are like so, so useful. So thank you so much. Any last minute tips for my listeners? Just build your awareness every single day. Just ask yourself, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? Where is it showing up in my body? Just different things that you can ask yourself to be more aware of what's showing up for you. That's always the first step in any of the work that we're trying to do. Um, that, that That's how I would, I would kind of send everybody off, you know, and then also the one last thing is to verbalize your expectations. Like you were saying with your husband, because we assume they should know us well enough yes. because we've been married for so long or together for so long. When we don't verbalize it, it doesn't get communicated. So verbalizing is very, very important. Mm, I love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been so useful to have your perspective. And how can my listeners find out more about you? Oh, awesome. Well, they can find me. My website is www.thoughtworkmd. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at ThoughtworkMD. And LinkedIn is my last one. That's my business LinkedIn page is Arpita De Palma. So that's how they can reach out to me. And I would love to hear from anybody if they have any questions about this. Yeah. And I know that you have got a new anger course that is out. So just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So what I decided to do is put together a self-study online course talking about anger, um, why it shows up, how we can kind of work with it, and then specific situations like with our families, our spouses, our employees, or other individuals, all the different areas where anger might show up in our life. So I've done a little, I think it's 11 modules online Mm -hmm. course uh, with, um, you know, supplemental homework and et cetera, et cetera, that if you're interested in doing that, and that way you can do it on your own. And if you're a physician, it's actually qualifies for CME credit as well. So you can use your CME dollars, but, but yeah, so hopefully that's something that might be of interest to some people to do it self-study if, if, if they're struggling with some anger. That sounds so amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate having you on. It's been a blast. Thanks. I'm Ruthie. All right. Take care. Bye. For more free resources and for information on how to work with me, visit www.amruticoaching.com.